0: talk line network radio america's longest running jewish broadcast network the voice of the jewish community welcome to the podcast
1: and now
0: you're listening to talk line with zev brenner america's premier jewish broadcast on the air since 1981
1: and now here's your host
0: Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner with us right now is Daniela Greenbaum-Davis, an Emmy Award-winning producer and columnist. She previously worked and was the host of the Censored in the City, an editor at Commentary Magazine, a freelance writer with bylines in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. She's currently with The Spectator. So thank you for joining us. Good yard to you. Good.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Shana Tova. Shana Tova. I know you graduated Barnard College in 2016, and you must have been shocked, as a lot of people were, to find that Barnard College gave a missive telling, specifically addressed to Orthodox Jewish students, they should violate Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos. What's going on? Tell us about, what first, of all, what Barnard did. I know they since taken it back, but tell us what's going on.
1: Yeah. So a couple of quick things. First of all, I was so taken aback when I was briefed on the situation, because imagine you're a Jewish student on campus and you get an email saying you're you've identified yourself as a Sabbath observer. It's just I, I don't really want to be on any lists that are identifying Jews and observant Jews and kind of collecting us all in one neat bucket. That just makes me quite nervous on its own. I, I didn't
0: even know that they kept records of who's a Sabbath observer.
1: Uh, you know, I didn't really realize that either, but that was the framing of this email, which I think kind of just set the tone um, and, and really, really missed the mark there. Um, but the email went on to say in, in a really offensive phrasing, basically that, you know, we understand in the past that your religious observance may have precluded you from using um, technology and electronics on um, the holidays and on Shabbos. But because of COVID, you know, we're holding you to this pledge. Um, you know, we're, we're ensuring that you're going to react in this way and that you're going to fill things out and, and do contact tracing and all these different things.
0: So let me you know, just you- read exactly because, but I didn't even notice until you pointed out. Here's what the letter said to the Barnard College students. We recognize that how you, that how you have practiced religious traditions in the past may not align with the use of technology during the high holy days or the Sabbath. But this year it is paramount for the community's health and safety as well as your own that you abide by the Barnard pledge and follow the college policies and procedure. The campus communities that intersect Barnard and Columbia cannot wait until Wednesday night for students to report symptoms or respond to a notification of a positive test. The chain of transmission can only be shortened when individuals act responsibly and quickly. So they're telling you, hey, I don't care that it's Rosh Hashanah, I don't care it's Shabbos. <laughs> violate the rules, because we at Barnard College say you must. Yep, not,
1: not even suggesting you violate the rules, but just with such an arrogance of saying, well, we know in the past you might not have, but, you know, obviously we're just assuming you're going to now. To me, the whole thing was just, like, so absurd, because obviously, you know, Barnard was progressive before it was cool, and so... It's just, it's so obvious to me that the woman who sent this email and, you know, obviously everybody who's attained any kind of staff position at Barnard at all has sat through endless diversity and inclusion trainings and, you know, just endless conversations about how we can make everybody comfortable and make everything a safe space and make sure we're being respectful of other people's traditions. And it's like, how on earth is it possible that someone who's sat through those kind of conversations could then decide, I'm going to unilaterally decide what's acceptable for a minority community.
0: Who is this woman who wrote the letter?
1: She's some deputy chief of staff to the president. Um, and, you know, as, as you had mentioned, it, she did quickly send out a new email, basically just doing a complete about face and a mea culpa. Um, but what was so just irksome is she then mentioned, you know, I liaised with the campus rabbi, Rabbi Yonah Haim, except she misspelled his name and called him Rabbi Yonah Haim. Well,
0: and she probably knew who it was. <laughs> you know, I, mean, <laughs> I do not even know she realized that they had a rabbi on campus. I, it sounds like it's a whole thing. I don't understand how she a, could have done it. Could you imagine her sending a letter to Muslim students saying violate Ramadan or some other religious holiday? Because Exactly.
1: We- of course not. It, it would never happen in a million years. And not only would it never happen, If it had happened, there would be this massive outcry about how insane it is that this liberal university, this liberal college thinks it's appropriate to start telling minority students how to engage in their faith, in their ritual, and their culture, and their practice,
0: whatever. She didn't even um, say Happy New Year, Shana Tova. It didn't say anything. It was like a very letter. We, Barna decided that you must violate Shabbos and Rosh Hashanah, and that's the dictate that went out and wasn't even anything say, you know, we concerned about religious pride, we value religion. It was none of that until the second letter where she had to walk it back because I assumed there must have been an outcry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think students were very taken aback. I I know that internally there were a lot of conversations of people just kind of being like, how on earth are we supposed to respond to this? Um, And again, I just think the fact that she had to wait until after. So let me back up. This woman, in addition, um, whatever her job is reporting to the president of the college, also heads up one of the university's task forces on the pandemic. Fine. The idea that this woman would not have engaged before sending out an email targeting a certain minority group on campus with the representative of that minority group before sending out this kind of communication, I just, again, it it boggles the mind given the kinds of conversations that we know people working in these institutions have all the time.
0: Exactly. So. I was offended when I saw that. It was just outraged. Now, is there anything that's being done? Cause it could, it could happen again with somebody else if there's no vetting process and it should be religious leaders and rabbis should be included in any process. with religious student, the fact that they didn't, as you pointed out, Danielle, is a, is, is an arrogance.
1: It's totally arrogant. I'm, I'm not aware of any follow-ups at the moment. Obviously, her email, you know, did walk things back, and it does seem like she's at least had some sort of preliminary conversation with the rabbi on campus. Um, you know, you can't unring the bell. And the message that's really clearly been sent to students on campus is, we really don't respect your beliefs, your identity, your um, outlook. We don't respect you. And we think that, you know, your quaint beliefs and quaint practices and quaint observances are just an inconvenience that we can unilaterally decide. When to insist you, you know, disregard or go against.
0: But I'm struck. I'm reading the second letter was apologetic, and she said that she apologized for the last email. It was written in haste. They want to get everybody safe, and she doesn't want to stop students from their ability to practice and observe the religion how they choose. So she did walk it back. But again, I'm still struck by wouldn't it be, first of all, smart and also the right thing to do when you write such a letter, especially when you're apologizing to say, Happy New Year. To all our jewish students it's missing this is i don't know there's something about this that irks me even the apology yeah,
1: it, it's it's the same idea for misspelling the rabbi's name you know is it a giant deal is it, is it a huge slap in the face to have a typo in someone's name of course not but the idea that it's only after the fact that you realize you should be consulting with these people and that you then can't even you know get the spelling of the name right it's like how can you go not go out of your way at all to signify to the people you've so deeply offended that you actually are really trying to walk it back?
0: Now Barnard, like a lot of colleges, even though it's in New York and has a large Jewish population, a large Orthodox Jewish one, but yet has become more woke. And I think what they're doing is trying to push their philosophy and ideology on incoming students. Where, for example, you have to basically identify yourself as he she it or whatever the uh, the structure is they're changing the culture on campus and i'm wondering out loud of this part of that whole process where they're trying to shape students in their mold
1: well look again i think you know you're touching on something interesting which is that as conversations around being progressive, about about being woke, about being inclusive, um, go on and on, there always seems to be a minority community that's missing from those conversations. And that's always the Jews. And so, again, you know. I think about how many moments at Barnard, I was part of conversations talking about diversity and inclusion and and respecting, you know, different people and different ideas and, and just kind of engaging with everybody, meeting them where they are not trying to like uniformize everyone's ideas and beliefs. And then this kind of email happens. And again, as you said, it would never have been sent to a Muslim student. And so I think the bigger question rather than is Barnard going increasingly woke, which of course, the answer is yes, as is every college and university, I think at around the country, basically, with the exception of Hillsdale um, and maybe Yeshiva University, is why are Jews consistently left out of the conversation of where woke, progressive, inclusive ideology is ostensibly supposed to lead?
0: And I'm also led to believe, him. and I did try about six months or a year ago, year ago to contact Barnard, is that from what I understand is there is a campaign to bring more out of New Yorkers to Barnard College which is a code word for limiting amount of Jews because I would say a good portion of students that come from New York are Jewish. If you want to diversify and you want to have less Jewish, it means you want to bring in more people from Arkansas and Oklahoma and other parts of the United States. We try to get an answer from them Are they looking to diversify from the Jewish population. We never got a clear answer from Barnard. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it seems to me that this may be part of the conversation as well.
1: That, that I can speak to. I will say, you know, maybe slightly in their defense, I do remember even from my time on campus that there was always this big um, awareness of how New York focused a large portion of the student body is. Um, and I, I actually don't think it's a crazy idea to sort of want to increasingly diversify that just because I think for so many of us who did grow up in the city, college is kind of the first time we get to spend so much time with people from other areas. And so You know, obviously, if there is a part of this that is guided by, um, you know, unsavory considerations here, if you're right at all, then that's a different story. Um, But in terms of diversifying sort of just like the geography of the student body, I don't know. I'm not against it. I think that's actually a good idea.
0: Well, listen, some diversity is fine. What just concerns me, and I'm not sure how much of a diversification they were looking, I'm sure covid May have changed things. I, I don't, I don't know. But if you're looking to diversify greatly the student body and which would mean that you dilute the Jewish presence, that's something which to me is disturbing. I understand. And I understand you want to diversify. You want to have people from different parts of the country. But if it's a means of lessening the Jewish population and you use the co-word diversity and, and Jewish students have trouble getting into the school, that's something which is unsettling as far as i am concerned but uh, look
1: i think co- i think colleges generally are engaging in you know a really disgusting practice in which they're using um you know maybe a a positive idea of diversity to cover up practices which are actually Um, extremely targeted and extremely exclusionary. So obviously Harvard is the best example of this, what they've done to Asian Americans, rubber stamping them, calling them socially awkward, even when they haven't actually interviewed them. I mean, it's disgusting. Again, if these were happening to certain other minorities, um, we would be having an entirely different conversation. So I do think that, you know, generally you're very much onto something here, which is that several universities are very much using the idea of diversity and inclusion which, again, on their face are, are positive notions that I think, like, probably most decent people are for. Um, but they're, but they're certainly using them as a way to, um, figure out how to get rid of certain populations from their
0: student body. Exactly. That's what concerned me. In the few moments we have remaining, Daniela Greenbound Davis is an Emmy Award winning producer and columnist. She graduated Barnard in 2016. But even on campus, and I'm sure in your day, and it's maybe gotten worse, you have, a strong Jewish body. You also have a very strong Palestinian voice, Students for Justice in Palestine, Apartheid Week, where it makes it uncomfortable for Jewish students at certain times of the year to be on campus. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, obviously Colombia has been in the news a lot for the sort of Israel-Palestinian conflict conversation that happens there. Um, there is a very... Um, enthusiastic pro-Palestinian piece of the student body. There's been, you know, relentless BDS campaigns. It's a conversation that comes up all the time. Um, I do think part of that is just, you know, what happens when you get to a student body that's political and that's invested in things. But, you know, being pro-Palestinian has also become the cause on many student, on many campuses and within many student bodies. And so I don't think Barnard and Columbia really stand alone in that regard anymore.
0: No, but, but since we're talking about Columbia and Barnum, they have a, such a large, you know, large amount of Jewish students, including observant ones, is something which is on the radar screen. I remember my daughter Lizzie went to Barnum and had a Palestinian, um, one who was in charge of the dorm floor where she was at to purposely, you know, schedule things on Friday nights. And there were things that were done that were discriminatory against Jewish students, even at graduation. There were remarks made, right? About Palestinians, which was inappropriate yeah, and, for a graduation. And I
1: remember. I remember there was an RA, I don't remember if she was my year, or the year before me, the year after me, but there was an RA, you know, within the four years that I was there, um, who was a part of SJP and who posted on her Facebook, and this is, again, an RA who had keys to, you know, everyone's apartment, and she posted on her Facebook, I want my space free of Zio's. Now, Zio's is really considered to be a slur, and this is a person who, again, has keys to all these apartments. And she's saying, I want my space free of them. I, you know, it's just an uncomfortable thing where, again, is it the end of the world? Is it necessarily a threat of violence? I don't know. But would we ever tolerate that kind of ambiguous and just, like, menacing comment about a different minority, especially when the person making that comment is in a position of power and authority? No.
0: what I'm saying, we Jews sometimes aren't too nice. And we let these things slide and say, well, you know, like we're, we know we're not going to make a big deal about it. But, um, but if you don't make a big deal about it, it escalates and it gets worse. And that's where the problem lies. Jewish students should not be made to feel uncomfortable on college campuses.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of this is very under the radar. A couple of years, I think it was after my time on campus, there was a... Um, like a cartoon that was shared either it was attached to the like apartheid wall that they build or they posted it on campus I don't remember exactly where it was but there was a um, IDF soldier who had a helmet and there was a um Palestinian um, I, you know protester activist whatever you want to say who was um, spray painting something this was again all in a cartoon that SJP had posted around campus and This um, activist had thrown the can of spray paint at the IDF soldier and it like boinked on the helmet of the IDF soldier. And you could see, you know, like a little bump growing out of the helmet where the can had come from. But if you really looked closely, it was clear that the bump wasn't just a bump. It was horns. And so immediately, you know, we're all like, okay, this isn't just about being anti-Israel. This isn't just about disagreeing with Netanyahu's government. This is a very clear anti-Semitic cartoon. No, it's just a bump growing out of the helmet. It's not horns. How could you accuse us of that? The problem is that you even think to be anti-Israel means that we're being anti-Semitic. And so you really lose the thread of the conversation because so much of this is under the radar and it's, you know, built in with excuses and it's trying to hide it. It's, you know, it's not really a great time to be a Jewish student on campus.
0: True. Now, you're an alumnus of Barnard. Is anything that you know being done to follow up on this particular incident that we started our broadcast with? Where Jewish students at RA, at Barnard were singled out. The observer ones were got a letter saying, we know you're observant, but violate Russia to violate Shabbos. It was rescinded. But the mere fact that it went out is something which should be brought under scrutiny, should be challenged. How this, uh, and what's going to be put in place that it shouldn't happen again. Do you know of any effort to try to get the administration to take some action on this matter?
1: I I personally am actually unaware of anything like that. Look, I do think the fact that this woman rescinded this email and liaised with Rabbi Heen, like, these are all steps in the right direction. Like I said before, you can't unring the bell, and I do think this leaves a very bad taste in the mouths of all Orthodox and really just all Jewish students on campus. But beyond that, again, the way this letter was written, you are getting this because you've identified yourself as an observant Jew. It's like, why are you maintaining lists of who's Jewish? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And who's observant? It's, it's just very creepy.
0: Very certainly. Daniela Greenbound Davis, an Emmy Award-winning producer and columnist. She is the host of, previously of a, show called Censored in the City. She's an editor at Commentary Magazine, a freelance writer with bylines in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, writes currently for The Spectator. Thank you for joining with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And we're going to be right back. Don't go away. Stay tuned.
1: That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the com.
0: TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network. The voice of the Jewish community.